With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, all right, all right. Welcome in to another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. We got a doozy here for you guys today, so strap on in. We're going to be talking around the Pacific. We're going to be talking Christmas gifts from the LA Kings, New Year's resolutions, some line changes, the World Juniors, and of course, the seat at the round table. In case anybody had their head under a rock today, the Clark call-up. So if you guys are excited in the chat for the Clark call-up, can I get a hill? Yeah, and let's go. Oh, yeah, Carter coming in with the hell yeah. We got Kingsville with the hell yeah. We got some <laughs> CJ got in the first comment of the day at a 1 11 p.m. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, Let's hope the Kings get their mojo back. Yes, we are. Yeah. Anthony coming in here. Here we go, boys. Let's bring the energy. So the Kings bring the energy tomorrow night. Hey, I got you set, man. I got I got plenty in this uh energizer bunny here going on. Uh let's go, boys from Lieb. Carter scores happy new year. Dan coming in. Happy New Year, Kings fans. Go Kings and Kubiak SP. Hell yeah. Appears they need something to happen. Well, we're going to be getting into that today. First, before we get into all the accoutrement, uh, we've got to talk to the co-host here, Russ. Joe, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Good to see you, boys. It's been a, been a couple weeks, right? Yeah. yeah it, last week it, off. Yeah. yeah. It has it has been. I don't know if you spent as much as the Dodgers did on their Christmas gifts, <laughs> but uh, but uh, how, how was your guys' holiday? Yeah, it was good. I spent the white Christmas here uh with some family out here just kind of kept it low-key but most of my immediate family's out in arizona so i went out there for the new year's got to see them got to ring in the new year with the fam so it was fun fun time how about uh how about you joe it was good no it was good the kids awesome the only thing i'll say is this like you and this pie doesn't resonate with you guys there's no snow out here it has not felt like christmas at yeah, all. that doesn't resonate with me at all. <laughs> it just isn't the same. It isn't. I'm the sure same. you're not complaining though. You know, last year it was what? Oh, like you guys were frozen solid through like homes and it's blizzards and be. stuff. It's supposed to be. It's winter in Western New York. It's supposed to be cold. <laughs> it's supposed to be snow. Like there's been nothing. And I'm be honest. I'm a little disappointed. I'm sure I'll regret saying that because we're going to get hit with something soon. But probably. You know, we, there's nothing on the ground. Midway, midway plowing your driveway, you're gonna be like, I should have, I should have tempted fate. <laughs> regret that. Yeah, mine was, mine was pretty good. Just uh, hung out with the the brothers, you know, watched some football. Hung out with my uh, went out to Dallas to 
see my good friend, you know, play some board games with the kids, you know, playing Monopoly with a, with a four-year-old, uh, is, is not always the easiest, but, uh, it was, it was fun nonetheless, little white Russians and, and had a, had a good day. So, uh, you know, really like, uh, really liked it. It was kind of a simple holiday, nothing too, uh, too crazy. Um, and, and, you know, went from there. So let's get into it, boys. Let's get into it. We're going to start here with, uh, with the big news. We're going to start with the big news. Clark train is, is, is loading up, fueling up, ready to go. Uh, he's shipping out to, uh, to, uh, LA here. Um, oh, I missed it. I missed it here. Carter scores. Appreciate the 10 bucks, buddy. Appreciate Thanks, the Carter 10 bucks. Scores. Thank you for coming it's in hard. here. If you want to throw a question in there, um, uh, let, let me know and I'll throw it up there on the board. Uh, yeah, Clark train's ready to go. Uh, and, and we, I am excited beyond belief. Uh, a couple of people on Twitter uh, were saying that Raymond's going to be obnoxious and I'm here for it. And you are 100% correct. Um, so uh, I, I think this kid has been the best player in the AHL uh, for half season. And, and the people that want him to prove that he could do it, uh, well, there's your proof. And so my thought has been, always been, and always will be, play your best players that you have. He's proven that he's one of the best defensemen in the roster um for the LA Kings and he's he's getting a call up um obviously paired today with with Anderson on uh but it was a vet day off for for Drew Jotty, uh accurately reported by your Russell Morgan great article today Russ uh if you guys haven't checked that out yet hockeyroyalty.com for that article uh so it's only fitting I should throw it to you uh you were there talking with Tom McClellan talking with Brent Clark what was the feeling what was the buzz around the rink how do you feel like he is different this year than than last year uh, to be ready for this moment? Yeah, it's definitely a, a good way to hype up the fans after the last few games is to to bring that uh, that player Brant Clark up to the the Kings. So I know everybody was so down after last night's game against the Maple Leafs. Such a frustrating way in terms of how that game was just entirely played out. Just the Kings couldn't generate really any offense. So what do you do? You call up arguably your most creative player in the AHL and Brant Clark, and that'll turn a lot of a lot of heads. So a lot of those frowns upside down, definitely. So it's good to see Clark. I mean, I, I think it's it's probably seems like the right move at this point, right? I mean, with how the Kings have been playing, he's he's got his he's already got like a almost a half a season in the AHL. It just kind of seemed right. I'd I'd been on this train to be like, okay, keep him in the AHL as long as you can, and let's see where it gets to the point maybe you have to call him up in this this feels like the right the right time of the season to do it so uh thought it was a good move for the organization um he seems ready for it i mean you're talking about a confident player like brand clark he's never going to mince words in terms of his abilities and his confidence so he's he i mean talking with him he, he seems like he's ready to go um whether it be tomorrow night which i don't i don't see him plugging in right away I think we'll probably have to wait to see him in the lineup, maybe on the road trip. Uh, I think the way that they lined up today maybe gives a little bit of, uh, I guess, gives you a little bit more patience to see when they'll plug him in. So uh, with Dowdy out, you just kind of have him practicing with Ma Mikey Anderson just for the day. Spence was still with England. Gavrikov was still with Roy. So, but there's still some possibility that we see maybe a Clark Spence pairing maybe a Clark Roy pairing I don't know I think uh Tom McClellan kind of left that door open a little bit so yeah a lot of excitement around the practice today yeah I mean he's not 
when you look at it, he's not just like one of the better rookies in the American Hockey League. He is in the top three. He's the third most points in the AHL, and he's a rookie defenseman. So what he's doing is really impressive. So I, I think timing, you know, it kind of works out, I guess, that the Kings have been struggling lately. But at, he's basically just beaten down the door and said, my time is now, and, and he's earned the call-up. Where he fits, Russ, is kind of what you're talking about and where – where he slots in. And I think we're probably going to just see somewhat of a bit of a rotation between that bottom pair, right? Whether there might be a game where England's out and whether it's Spence and, and Clark come uh, on the same pair, or they move Roy and Gavrikov around a little bit. Uh, I suspect Spence at some point will come out and Clark will go in. So I just think we'll start to see a little bit of a rotation between those three, which, okay, it is what it is. Um, you know, I, hopefully, um, we, I, I just hope he gets a pretty good look here. And, um, yeah, I, 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 Brandon, I mean, you're the first thought that I know I had, and I'm sure a lot of people had on Twitter. I'm just going to turn this to you and say, go ahead. Like, well, you have to be absolutely fired up right now. And let me, before I, let me word it this way, because I know you were disappointed when he was sent down, um, to start the season. Now, if, if, after you look back and see what he did, in Ontario, do you think that that was the right move and was worth it for them to do that? I think it just proved he just kept continually proving, yeah. right? I mean, every, he, every single opportunity he's been given, maybe you could say outside the nine games, but making the roster out of camp is is an achievement on its own. Um, you know, and and he said itself, like he in, in your in in the interviews that he was talking about, he said that you know I really all of our film sessions have been me playing defense. So I've taken my defensive game to a next level. I understand that I can't do all the things I love to do with the puck if we don't have the puck. So, and, and it's just, uh, and I like the approach that the rain have had with them saying that, Hey, we know you're extremely gifted when you have the puck. We're not even going to talk to you about that. We're just going to, we're just going to do, we're to continue punching and harping on, the defensive part of your game, and we're just going to be mitts off when it comes to the offensive mind and skill set. Will Todd McClellan have that kind of freedom for for a young kid like that? I don't know. I mean, he's been giving it to Fiala, but then he also kind of came down on Fiala for not doing certain things. But I, I think it's the type of I think it's the type of player that the Kings need, and here's why: like one, they need offense. That's been apparent lately. Uh, the power play has been anemic this season, and and it hasn't really been a, anything against Jordan Spence. I think he is a great puck mover. I think he puts a lot of pucks on net that give uh, the second power play opportunity to score. For a majority part of the season, the second power play was the best power play. So just because he's not putting points on the board, I, this is not a statement. For me, this isn't a statement for Jordan Spence. Like them calling up Brent Clark isn't a statement against Jordan Spence. But I think the, the moxie of this kind of player – like the Kings were playing loose and when they were winning and doing all their dances in the locker room. But sometimes you need a guy that can do that, has a little bit of an edge. I mean, he's not going to drop the gloves with anybody, but he's going to have that cocky attitude. He's going to be the guy that's going to take the the top off uh, a defense, as they say in football. But yeah, you might get a you might get an odd rush here and there. But for the most part, the Kings have given up the least amount of goals in, in the Pacific. They have other defensive players on, on the team. They've been sound in the 1-3-1. So, like, to take a shot on a guy that could really generate that much offense, especially on the power play, I think is a no-brainer. And, like, he's ready. It's not like he got this call up because of injury and he's playing an okay season in the AHL. 
Like, I mean, you're talking about a point per game player. He's got seven goals, 25 assists. Like I said, well over a point per game, 95 shots. I mean, TJ Tynan has 35 shots. Uh, the one-time wizard, Figuimo's got 65, and he's got 95 shots. Like, he's peppering the the offensive uh, or net with with that. And, and I think it's just a, a, a player that he cannot be denied on this team. He's been my favorite prospect. He might be a future Norse Trophy winner, and he needs to be on the roster. And this might end up being the best move for you, to, to tie it back into what Joe said. Like giving him time to to acclimate to more of the pro game, bigger players, all this kind of stuff, learning how to watch film and and break things down on a on a real level, having you know stole and the strength and conditioning coaches there every single day to where he can kind of grow into a, a more of a man's body and then pull him up for the second half of the season or you know the second or the last quarter or whatever that they were planning to do, um, and have him maybe be a lightning rod in the playoffs might be the best move that they could have made. I mean, in, in hindsight. Uh, so like, that's kind of where my thought process is. I'm just stoked for the kid. And I don't think that they should wait. I think he should be in the lineup tomorrow. I don't think that he should have to rotate. Cause like I said, it's not an offense to Jordan Spence, but Jordan Spence wasn't drafted in the top 10. Jordan Spence wasn't drafted to be the heir apparent to Jowdy. Jordan Spence wasn't those things. And he's proven himself that he is an NHL defenseman and a, and a damn good one. But if you make this move, you're not making this move so this guy can uh, sit up in the press box and eat popcorn. Yeah, I mean, I, I would hate it if if it's going to come at the expense of Jordan Spence because I think and that's just crazy to me. I mean, I guess I get it from a, from them just trying to, to slot in like for like and keep angling, but the idea that they have to keep this this certain setup that they have just for the sake of of, of a structure, man, I don't know. Like, I, I think there's ways to do that. Even if you don't want to pair Clark and Spence together, I think there's ways to do it that, that they should both be in the lineup. I think that's, that's your best lineup is both of them in. Uh, I, I know that's wishful thinking on my part in terms of like a night in night out thing, but that's, that's certainly where I am at. I know there's a lot of people talking about how, wow, this is not a knock on Spence. Like this shouldn't even, Spence shouldn't even be a conversation. He shouldn't be coming out of the lineup at all. It should be Clark. Let's give Clark a run of games in the lineup. England comes out and we see how it goes. But I, you know, there's people that still buy into, you know, he fought in Toronto yesterday. So I guess he gets points for that somehow. So sure. Uh, fine. I get it. If that's what they want to do, I've, I've made my peace with it. I don't, it's, it's not how I do things. There's, it's definitely, I think, better ways to utilize that lineup spot with somebody that can do a little bit more with the puck um, and, and make some plays for a team. Like in a game like last night, I honestly don't know what, you know, England brings to the table there. He can't keep pace with that. There's no plays he can make with the puck. So it's a, it's that's a game where you'd like to see, you know, somebody like a, a Clark in the lineup, even if it's not paired with Spence in that in that top six, just to give you another option to do something else with, because, you know, that's, that's something that has been a issue with me for a while now is the lack of offense coming from the blue line. And for all the, the, the I see some knock about Spence, he's got second most points among all defensemen and he's playing third pair minutes. So yeah, he's getting PP two time, but you got a guy that's getting third pair minutes uh, and he's got, He's, he's second on the team in points on the back end. And so it's, it's, 
it, it's the time is now for for Clark, and I just hope that that we see both in the lineup more often. I mean, what have, yeah, what have you always talked about, Joe? And when we've talked about this on on here is, is play your best players. And sure, you might have to put them in position they might not be normally accustomed to. But I mean, when you have a player who's offensively gifted like Brant Clark or can skate as well as Jordan Spence, I think I think those are type of players that you could probably shuffle around. And I'm talking about maybe possibly playing in them, one of them on the left side. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I think the way that McClellan, when I asked McClellan today, it, it's like a total contrast from what I asked him at the beginning of the year because I wanted to see. And the answer when I asked him about whether he could see two righties play on the same pair, this was his, this was his answer at the beginning of the year. If we have to do that this year, we'll certainly do it. But we feel like we have a little more balance with lefties and righties. Total change from what he said today when he mentioned that it has to at some point be time where you see righty play with righty. Like, so for me, what the way I took that, like that's Brent Clark playing with Jordan Spence. That's the way I took that. I, there's there's no way – I don't see them breaking up Gavrikov and Roy, and I don't see them breaking up Anderson yeah. and Dowdy. True. So – and with, with – we've had this conversation too um, about the system that the Kings play, and it kind of kind of limits or, or kind of shelters the left side of the def- the left defenseman a little bit when you play that neutral zone. They don't really have to go and do, do that many puck retrievals, which has been kind of a knock, I guess, on Brent Clark, his turn and – and go back and get those retrievals. So if you can do that with him on the left side and also with his offensive capabilities on the left side, I think it's a no brainer to play him and, and Spence together. And, and like, like we talked about, like play your best players, like Andreas England. I, I think Andreas England, we love Andreas England. He's been lights out in terms of what we expected yeah. him to be this year. But I mean, just look back at the Vegas Golden mm-hmm. Knights game. He got beat by Michael Amadio and in, in the puck and a drive to the net, like just easily. And that's something that McClellan has talked about on edge. Like he couldn't get that goal out of his head. Like he, I remember talking about it after practice, the last, the next two games after that. So, I mean, if you really want to play your best players, just give me Brant Clark on the left side with Jordan Spence. I, it sounds like a really dangerous, dangerous type of style or really dangerous pairing in terms of giving up chances. But man, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch those two play. And you know, I think you're going to get a lot of offense out of it as well. Two things on that, because I'm glad you mentioned England. And I want to, like, I know I'm come across harsh of what I said before, but I think why why are we accepting of the bare minimum of, like, yeah, he's, you know what? He has exceeded my expectations. He's done a nice job for what his role is. Why are we okay with a no-ceiling role? Why are we okay with a guy just because he's big, he hits, he's great presence? I, to me, I want more. It's and, as simple and, as he drops the gloves. That's all it is. I, I want more. I'm sorry, but I, I just want more from it's, my defenseman. And it's, it's the mindset that people can't get out of this like traditional NHL and like like where you have a lot of that still people like still uh really looking at oh you gotta have that fighter, you gotta have that enforcer in the lineup. And that's to- that's so like five, ten years ago at this so point. So he can drop the gloves when it's two nothing late in the game against. Yeah, Trump. like you, you, you drop okay. with Simone Benoit, like it, it, didn't, it didn't impact the game. You you so, didn't take out a good player. I mean, like and, and, and I, 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 I like I, I don't want this to turn into a knock on England though. Like I get it. Do I. Like when you have a player like we've talked about with Brent Clark just sitting there on the wings, where you can slide him in and hopefully unlock a little bit more of this offense that we've been missing. <laughs> I think you have to figure out a way to get him and, and Spence together. 
I still yeah. think there's a I still think there's room in the in today's game for an Andres England. I think there's still room in today's game for a bruiser, an agitator, a fighter in 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 today's game because just like you know, like in, in you don't really realize it until you need it. I mean, until there's some games where it is it is spiky, it is getting it mucked up down there. You do you're you are happy with it. Do I believe that Andres England is an A2 game player where he should be playing every single night? No, I don't. And I think that you you looked at it like everything was going great. He was playing well in the system. He wasn't an eyesore. He was doing things here. He was fighting at the right times. So when you're like, you've seen all these positives, you're like, okay, well, I'm 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 good with what he's playing. And we all said it on this pod that we are we are yep. glad with where the defense was at. When well, when that stops with when, within reason. No, I mean you 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 said it too, Joe. I mean obviously you said you you would have wished you, this guy can do this yeah. and this and that, but you were saying, they hey, like, I have. I, they were winning games, and so yeah. w- what are we what are we doing there? And then when teams start to lose games, and you start to you start to nitpick, you start to look at different things here and different things there, and and so and it was pretty much the three teams that were the glaring things: the the speed from all three of those teams, you know, and and all three of those teams are vying for the Stanley Cup. So when you tear yourself up with a team that you possibly could be playing in in the playoffs. It kind of be like, okay, well, maybe that's not what we need. Maybe we need more of this over here to compete with those guys. And there's a there's a role for an Andres England, but maybe he's not an 82 game role. Fair, and you know, and and I want to touch on the second part. I was going to say that Russ had talked about with the pairing, right, of Clark and and Spence being risky. You know, I go back to last year, and I know Jersey caught a lot of heat, but if you look at Sean Jersey's numbers when he was playing on the left side with Matt Roy, now it, it may not have been the ideal situation because of the big target that was out there that would have significantly improved the lineup, which is what we were talking about at the time. But if you looked at Jersey's numbers, Jersey was fine with, with that pair wasn't an issue. And Jersey himself, if you went to – uh, Corey Schneider's all three zones tracking numbers. He was a positive in terms of uh, of, of of zone defending zone eggs or defending zone entries. Excuse me, from opponents just because he was smart and when he could step. And I think Clark is naturally aggressive to the point where Russ, I think you talked about a couple of years ago. At times, he was maybe even overly aggressive in the neutral zone. But as that left defenseman, he's going to have to be. We see Gavrikov be very aggressive. And not aggressive in a physical sense, aggressive with your stick, because that's how you defend these days, with your legs and with your stick and with your brain. And I think Clark is more than capable of doing that. He can defend by being aggressive going up and attacking the play and meeting that play in the neutral zone rather than having the play come at him and be turned around. I think that suits him. So, again, I I am not concerned about it. I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot. I get it though. The Kings are looking to, you know, try to catch, catch teams and win a division. So do they have time for a lot of experimentation? You know, it's almost like the Velarde thing a couple of years ago. And could you have called them up and played them top six when they were vying? I, I get it, but man, we're accepting of the bare minimum of just, well, you know, he's safe. He's this, he's safe. He's up and out. He dumps pucks in. Hey, he doesn't hurt us. Okay, how much is he helping? Because that's how I look at that. That's fine. I, I want more than that. You know, I want more than, well, he isn't hurting us and he's doing his job. He's playing his role. That's fine. And I agree with all of that. Why does that mean there can't be something better? That's where I come out on it. So we'll see. Um, and, and hopefully Clark gets gets uh, gets a good run. Yeah, I'm just, I mean, I just want to bring up this, this tweet that uh, Scott Wheeler had of The Athletic. <laughs> 
He said Brant Clark was having arguably the best U21 season in the history of the AHL for a defenseman. He said, I'm not kidding. 32 points in 30 games for a 20-year-old defenseman in that league is new territory for the modern NH- AHL. Third in league scoring. First among defensemen. <laughs> I mean, what more could you want and, and need, really, at this point, if you're Todd McClellan? I, I wonder who eventually made that call, if it was him going to Rob Blake saying, okay, we have to get Brant Clark here, or if it's Rob Blake saying, all right, let's give him a chance. Yeah, I, I think this is a perfect time. I mean, you have that six-game road trip, like McClellan mentioned. He's going to be traveling with the team on the roadie. So, <clears throat> I don't know. Has, I just, has I, there I, ever been a defenseman that you guys could think of that takes over games like the way Brant Clark is doing in the AHL right now? Just could put up a three-point, four-point night and well carry the team on his back? in the NHL. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, not on the, maybe not on the Kings, really, in, that I can remember. I mean, Jordan no. Spence was putting up really good numbers in the AHL. I don't want to disregard his rookie season in the AHL, which was really good, but this is this is unheard of territory for the Kings. And really, as a defenseman in the AHL, like Scott Wheeler just Scott Wheeler said, like I've just brought it up. So, I mean, man, like I'm telling you, like, they were they were working on faceoffs and a little bit uh, of breakouts too today at practice. And to see Brant Clark, some of the stuff he was doing, it was just like, this guy just has, he doesn't care. He's stepping into this NHL practice, and hes it's like he's been there for years. I mean, there was one play I saw him make where he had Phil Deneau just kind of coming at him on a forecheck, and instead of maybe rimming it around the boards behind the net, he made a nice, a sick little dangle to his backhand and then kind of crept up ice, and then just this silky saucer pass. And I just looked at I don't know who I was sitting next to, and I was like, man, that's a cheeky fucker right there. That's like well, some rest, cheeky stuff right there that you just don't see. That is what I'm talking about, where, sure, a defenseman in England, or even, you know what, I'll include maybe Movarari in this too because I know a lot of people want to see him up. You know, They may take that puck that you just said in that exact play, and they'll take it, and they'll wrap it, and wingers hate it, but they'll he'll wrap it. Maybe they can chip it off, get into the neutral zone. Puck's out of the zone. Did my job. Mm-hmm. Where's the upside there? Because we just gave up possession more often than not on a wrap. You're going to give up some sort of possession. You make a play like Clark makes. Now you're attacking. You control the zone entry and you go into the zone. That is what I'm talking about. Is there more risk to it? Okay. But you're not going to win in this league by just playing it safe and wrapping stuff around a wall and going off the glass and out. I just, I think you, you need to allow some of that. And I think the Kings are at their best these days. Like this isn't the Kings of a decade ago. You look at the Kings today. Yeah. I think Spence, what he does, look at Kevin Fiala. And I know he has his moments, but I think the Kings are at their best when they're, they're playing loose like that. They're playing with a little bit more freedom to them, to their, you know, and, and McClellan doesn't good enough job of reining it in when he needs to. I'd rather rein it in though because you can't pull something out of something that that's not there and but it's there with Clark let him be creative let these guys be creative make plays get up and out of zones and control exits and control entries because that's the name of the game there's one thing I remember like going back to this the slide kind of feels like it all started with the game in the in on the island against the Islanders this is where it feels like this recent stretch has, has, has started so I remember listening to that that telecast, and Jim Fox mentioned how he hadn't noticed the team be as aggressive on the forecheck to the Kings as they as he had as the Islanders were, and it kind of feels like I've I've just seen that more and more with every team that the Kings have played. I don't really have any numbers to back it up, but just just from my sense of watching the game, and you can kind of just tell like the Kings' breakouts just really haven't been there 
at all these last few games. And I wonder if it's just that aggressive forecheck that is something that teams have really turned on to pl- when you're playing against the Kings. So when you have a player as creative as Brant Clark, as opposed to a player like Andres England on the left side, who just like you mentioned, Joe, will just get the puck out and then just make get his job done. But when you have that creativity in terms of Brant Clark, I think you can unlock a little bit more of those rush chances that I feel like have been missing from the team. There's a question that came up in the chat from the Big Lebowski. How is this kid an answer to the Kings' offensive issues? Setting aside the fact that he's such an incredible offensive talent. But what I want to talk about is kind of what we just were, Russ. The offense is going to start by controlling everything from the back end. If you can't get out clean, you're not or clean or controlled, I should say, you're you're not going to create any offense. If all you're doing is rimming it off the glass and out, and there's no plan, there's no anything to what you're doing you're not going to create any offense. If you have people that can make a first pass or at least make it a better outlet and control your, your exit, now you give yourself a chance to the neutral zone to get the puck and then also control the entry on the way in. Because, listen, let's face it, and, and I don't blame him for this. You know, Andreas Englund isn't somebody that you want lugging the puck and, and kind of carrying it through the neutral zone. So he's not somebody that controls entry. I have him at a 26% controlled entry rate he dumps the puck that's fine he's doing his job he's doing exactly what he needs to do jordan spence is just a tick under 50 percent from a third pair defenseman he's more off not more often because he's just under 50 percent, but he's trying to more willing to carry the puck into the zone as much as any defenseman only mikey anderson is, is better than jordan spence in terms of entry so again looking at guys that can control getting out of your zone and control getting into your zone that helps your offense, even if it isn't in your own individual point tally. Doing that, doing those things to get out of your own zone and into the offensive zone cleanly leads to more offensive opportunities and ideally, you know, in theory, more offensive production. Yeah, I just want to read that, Brent. Sorry, I just want to read that, Brent Clark, because it, it ties into what Joe just said. I just want to read his quote from earlier today. I think it's perfect. Is he said, "If I want to do what I want to do offensively, then we have to have the puck." And it all starts with me being responsible in my own day. And I think I've done a really good job at that. So, I mean, that's exactly what Joe's saying. It's just if you can have those clean breakouts and have the puck in his own end, start the offense from there. That's where the offense starts. So I think that's the one thing that a lot of the, of the organization probably really focused on with Clark because he doesn't need the, the talent. He doesn't need the work on offensively as an IQ because it's there. So, I mean, when he's in, when the, he's in the offensive zone and the puck gets there, I think – he can work yeah. magic, so don't worry about that. But yeah. if he can work on those breakouts, turn him into that all-around defenseman, man, I mean, it really unlocks something there. I think where this might be the, the biggest question mark uh, is the, the power play now. Obviously, there was only two guys, two defensemen that were legit power play options, and now there's three. So does he take over for Spence there, even though Spence has done a good job? Does he take over for Drew Doughty? Does he add to a power play to where you see two because they're they're all right shots does you see two defensemen on a power play one playing at the half wall for a one-time opportunities like a drew Doughty who's improved his shot keep brant clark at the point like where does this go obviously you didn't say that they practice power play today so maybe this might be an install over time but obviously you're not going to bring up your best offensive weapon and not play him on the power play so where do you guys think this kind of affects how they might look at it do you think this will be in a, a an install uh, over a long period of time, or do you see him on power play too uh, as early as tomorrow night? 
I mean, I, I think if he does end up coming in tomorrow, I mean, it'll probably be for Jordan Spence just because it's just an easier switch as opposed to not giving him any practice time at all playing on the left side. So, or really anybody on the left side that's playing on the right side. So, yeah, I would just expect him to just slot right in on with, on in Jordan Spence's position on the second power play unit. But, I mean, if you have both of them in the lineup, I think you have to have both of them on the second power play unit. I think I would even consider putting Brent Clark on the first power play unit at that point because of how bad the power play has been. And you like like we've talked about, like this is the most creative player probably on the team besides Kevin Fiala in terms of offensive capability. So for me, I, I think if you can have Clark and Spence on the second power play unit with, with I mean, if, if Arthur Kelly is just going to continue being the doghouse, I really don't want to see Trevor Lewis get any more power play time. So, I mean, it just seems like such an easy answer for me to have Clark and Spence on the second power play unit. You can have to know um, more. And I believe Dubois on there as well. So, yes. and then you keep the first power play unit the way it is. So, I think that that unlocks and maybe even makes the second power play unit better than the first, at least until Victor Arvidsson eventually comes back. Yep, I think there's a case to be made um, that you could see a change in power play one with the defenseman. I don't think it's realistically going to happen. You know, not to say that Drew Doughty is the problem by any means. It's just I, I, I think I think Clark and or Spence would bring a different element that I I don't think would hurt it. But again, I don't know how realistic that is. So. Um, I'm with Russ. I think if they're on the in in the lineup together, I play them both. Um, I think I would probably keep try to think. I would probably keep Spence at the top just because he loves to wire, or maybe even move Spence to the left circle because and he could be a one time option on the left circle and let Clark roam roam up top. Actually, is probably how I would. I would consider it off off the top of my head. I don't know. That's 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 what I would do. But I, I would think that if they're in the lineup together, they should both be out there in the power play. Obviously, if if Spence sits, it's an easy swap that Clark plays the top for PP two. Yeah. So let's get into uh, let's get into here. Before we do that, uh, we have a, a comment in here. Please uh, uh, hit that like button or take that like button to Pound Town uh, as uh, the new Kings uh, thing there. Uh, obviously, at the ice today, uh, they were practicing shooting. Uh, and where the the goal the goal box is is now Pound Town. So uh, welcome to uh, to Pound Town for all the people here uh, on on the power play. Please hit that like button. So the next co- thing comes in here is line changes. Obviously there was big hype with Brent Clark coming in here, uh, but we also saw some line changes at practice. Russ, why don't you go over some of the stuff that you saw with them kind of switching some things up and maybe what you liked about kind of maybe the uh, what you saw from practice today? Yeah, that all started from the, pretty much the second period. Uh, in last night's game, it was kind of expected with how the offense has been uh, struggling of late. So, I mean, you have a non-conference opponent. It seemed like the best time to do it. I, I would have liked to see them do it earlier because I kind of could kind of see these struggles start to happen and creep into the to the game in some of the uh, lines a little bit. So, what what they pretty much did is they separated a lot of the the duos that Todd McClellan had kind of been sticking with the last uh, season and a half. So what was it, Kopitar's now with Trevor Moore and, and, and Quentin Byfield on the first line. You have Dubois playing with Kempe and Laferriere and Deneau playing with Fiala. And it was Grunstroming. And Cali was kind of mixing in there a little bit too. So you had both of them. But the fourth line was pretty much stuck the same. So, I mean, for, for us, really, who had been kind of looking for a little bit more offensive uh, – uh, 
talent playing alongside Dubois, I think this helps him. And it also, I believe, gives Trevor Moore a little bit more of an opportunity to play big minutes with uh, Andre Kopitar. So I'm excited. I think it's just more or less just just try something new at this point with how the game has been for the team. Just give them something new. And I don't I don't hate the changes. I think I would I, I still kind of would like to see Fiala and Dubois back together. But this feels like the next best best thing. So I'm I'm cool with it. And I'm excited to see what happens tomorrow night against Detroit. Yeah, Joe. Yeah. So I mean you're looking at the the big scapegoat the last couple months or the last couple weeks have been has been Dubois and not, you know, we talked about that on our podcast. Uh is is this kind of a, a line change that you see maybe some, you know, some getting him another scorer there, a guy that can shoot the puck uh, in, in Kempe and, and seeing what maybe that could help with, uh, with his game. No question. I mean, listen, we, we, we've talked about how he's creating these chances and he is, I, I've talked about the slot passes that lead directly to shot attempts. He's the best on the team or among the most on the team. He's doing a lot of different things, shot assists, his own entries, controlling the entries. You know, we, we've said that he just needs more of a consistent line, line mate that can maybe turn some of those plays into goal. He had a few great plays to LaFerriere the other day um, that just didn't work. Or, you know, that LaFerriere didn't finish or whatever. It, it, if it doesn't work with Kempe, then, you know, because <laughs> there, there, there's a shooter, right? There's a guy that's that scored 40 goals in the league. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think this is a, a really good opportunity um, for Dubois and – Listen for who knows because and I and I love what what uh, McClellan how he talked about the changes in the lineup you know and he used the word complacency and they said well it's not complacency but when you are constantly with the same lineup and even if things aren't going you're just kind of in in almost like robotic right whereas when when a coach switches the lineup up on you well now you've got to kind of get used to somebody else you haven't played with him or you haven't played with him in a while or whatever so now you got to think of talk to you're, you're talking way more probably on the bench about hey when i do this i'm going to be here look for me here what are your tendencies with this and yada yada there's a lot more so you're a little bit more engaged and i think you're a little bit more in tune to to each shift maybe than you were before so i think that's what he was getting at and i i really like that side note as a coach i loved that he has to deal with this at the NHL level. Somebody asked him, and I don't know who it was about, you know, guys reacting to the changes. And he says, you know, you never know. Some guys pout because they're no longer with their buddy or whatever. I'm like, oh, I deal with it. This a high school level. I had no idea. that. He <laughs> Thank Christ. I was like, good. That's, that's, that's refreshing to hear that at the NHL level, this stuff still happens because uh, I'm, I'm happy to think of that. But no, I, I think though that this is, to your point, your to your question, Randy, about Dubois. Yes, like this is an opportunity for him, no question about it, to have, you know, he's got a little bit of chemistry with LaFerriere. I think we've seen that. Like they've created a lot of chances. It's just hasn't totally finished. So hopefully more, or excuse me, hopefully uh, Kempe will start to finish some of those. It's kind of like, I mean, when you just get tired of driving the same car over and over and over. I mean, you just get a, a different car, something new, something exciting. Like when mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what kind of car it is, it's just – something new. So I think that's like, you hit a nail on the head, Joe. I mean, it's kind of like you get just bored almost like, okay, I got to go out with the same pair and they're not really winning games either. So the excitement isn't there. I mean, hopefully we, we hopefully we could still find ways to get those FIFA celebrations between Kemp and Byfield somehow. But I mean, yeah, I think it's just an, a way to unlock a new like spark in this team. Yep. Cause I think he, he, 
McClellan used the word jolt, and he wants to jolt some energy. And that makes a ton of sense because it's just go out there. It's just the same mundane thing. And, and I mean, there's a, there's human beings. I mean, it's an 82 game schedule. We're talking, we're not even halfway through the season, which is, which is crazy. It's just, you just get reminded about how long the NHL season really is. So you got to like change things up a bit. And that's kind of why I wanted to see these moves get made a little bit earlier because you knew this was going to happen eventually. They weren't going to go an entire year playing yeah. the same lines. It, that would have been insane. Probably the first time ever that it ever happened. So I think it's a good time to do it. They're not necessarily, it's not like they're like struggling terribly. I don't feel like this is like rock bottom or anything. It seems like rock bottom in the season, but no, they're, they're still well in a playoff spot. You got plenty of leeway. So it feels like a good time to try it out. If anybody can give Pierre Lecdouard the juice, it would be the juice. So <laughs> I think it, I think it's going to be uh, nice there. And, and you know, and I think Laferriere has had a better month. Um, you know, there's still the stank on him from November where he was uh, he was god awful in in finishing. Uh, I believe he finished uh, December. If I'm looking at his uh, shot percentage, I think it was. Well, I had it pulled up here already for this point. 12%, so a lot better than than it was in, in November. So, you know, whether that is is an indication of, you know, something going on there or the uptick there or just kind of balancing to the mean, you know, having a guy like Kempe who's legit scorer, who Pierre can keep up with on, on the rush, um, who is going to be able to find the, the spots and hopefully bury those uh, pucks in the slot. Um, I also think that, Tying it back to our last topic with Brent Clark, a lot of these scores are now going to have another offensive threat to help push that puck down, uh, down the ice. And I think the rush is going to get a little uptick here, and maybe these lines can help uh, help be generated, like we've talked about from the back end. But it also, kind of, when you're getting those opportunities, and it's almost like you know you're getting the you know you play some street basketball, you get a little lob pass ahead, and you're one on one with a guy. Like it kind of opens up your eyes to like offensive creativity. I think that could be something that we can see maybe that will kind of bleed into other players and how they play the game. And rather than uh, rather than just being ho hum with the same line mates that they've seen, uh, you're saying that driving a new car, I've been driving the same truck for over ten years. So I must have the the Kopitar Brown of of trucks because they were together for for a long time. Um, Amber N coming in here. Appreciate you on the pod. I'm, I haven't seen you coming in here, and she comes in. Hot and spicy with a $20 uh, donation. No questions. Just supporting the good old hockey royalty. We'll reappreciate you guys. Thank, thank you, Amber, you, for the donation. Um, uh, thank you for listening and, and being a loyal fan uh, and coming on tonight. So, one thing, where one do you... thing I'm curious about with, with these, sorry, Randy, one thing I'm curious about with these line changes is how McClellan kind of divvies up ice time now. Because I mean, it seems like more, more of a formality with the way that they practice in terms of like, the top six normally wears gray jerseys. The bottom six kind of wears white jerseys. So Dubois was wearing a gray jersey, and that was and, and him and Deneau kind of switched. Same thing with Laferriere. I mean, obviously with the, that line playing together. So I'm curious to see how he divvies up if he ends up giving Dubois a little bit more ice time, uh, especially with your playing Kempe alongside him. I don't know if you want to give Kempe less than what he's normally is like 17 or 18 minutes a night when Dubois has kind of been hovering around 13, 15 minutes a night. So that's going to be something to watch to see how, how that is, is utilized going forward with these uh, changes. Yep. I, I think they, they probably roll, but you gotta, you gotta assume that you're not going to sit Kempe for that amount of time. And I know 
Yeah. And, I, and, and maybe we could talk about this for a second. Like, I think Kempe is the type of player that needs more ice time just because he's just a straight shooter where Fiala can catch lightning in a bottle in 10 seconds and create a play down the yeah. line. So him on a, on a third line doesn't really scare me as much as, as the opportunity taken away from Kempe in, in minutes because he's now developed into that pure shooter. Yeah, we saw Fiala do it last year. He was moving down third line last year and excelled. So I'm not worried about that. I, I think the unique part about that is with Deneau is usually your kind of – he is certainly the, probably the best defensive, purely defensive center that, that they have, and I would imagine gets a lot of D-zone starts. That's the one thing with the Fiala piece of it that makes it a, a little different because that's certainly not what Fiala is known for is, is his defensive game. So I don't know – I don't know how strict McClellan has really approached matching anyways. I think he more or less relies on those guys, especially Kopitar and Deneau against anybody. But, you know, I just – I sense that that maybe, you know, they're not going to look to Deneau to be shutting down a, a, you know, Connor McDavid or trying to shut down a Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel if you got Kevin Fiala on his line because I think if Kevin Fiala's on your line, you want offense. Um, so – I don't know, but yeah, I think that'll be interesting to see how. And and what it also means is usually Deno is taking a lot of D zone draws. Now that means Fiala's taking a lot of D zone starts. So I don't know. Just I, I think it's good to see how it all shakes out. I think Fiala's good enough to to make plays from pretty much anywhere. So um, I'm not too worried about it. It's kind of where I want. I would like to see Laferriere switch with Fiala. I'd yeah. Just- like, like you just mentioned, like it seems like Deneau's always looked at as that more of a shutdown player. And as weird as it to say, I feel more comfortable with, with LaFerriere playing defense than maybe Fiala of late, which, you know, which seems weird, even though maybe a good offense is a, is, means you have a good I mean, defense. F- Fiala, Fiala, Dubois, and Kempe would be definitely an offensive fun. line. It'd be a fun line for sure. Fun to me. The thing is, I get the sense, and I, I find it interesting that through all of these changes, it's pretty much Leferrier and Dubois have yeah. maintained. And I, I get the sense that maybe McClellan likes what he sees with those two. And I'm going to be honest, so do I. Like, it, I feel like they're gaining a lot of chemistry together. And like, for, I think it was the first shift of the game, Dubois found found yeah. uh, uh, Leferrier in the high slot. And I think he got a, a shot off that might have got blocked or just tipped deflected wise. Like right off the hop, he found each other. And later in the game, I think Leferrier found Dubois. Dubois had two slot passes in the game, both to Leferrier. It's like I, I think there's there is a little something going on there. So I, I I get that part that maybe they see something with those two that just seems to be clicking a little bit. They're 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 reading off each other really nice right now. And we talked about pairs, right? We, I mean, a lot of coaches talk about pairs rather than lines, and maybe <laughs> the 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 Byfield Kopitar pair is what he likes more than the Kempe. Maybe you like the Fiala Dano pair because high defensive acumen with a high offensive acumen kind of balances out that line instead of just having a one arrow direction. We'll see how it, we'll see how it turns out. And and mm-hmm. you know I, I think uh, Lebowski is coming in here and say his team was flying high three weeks ago. All of a sudden this team forgot how to play. No, I mean the teams go in ebb and flows. I mean you you look at uh, at. Scoring and you know teams are hot and then they play good defense and then always get hot, always get cold and it's just kind of part of the game and and I think a lot of championship runs are about getting you know hot at the right time and playing your best hockey come April. But I don't think they forgot how to play. Just sometimes you need to spice same things up. You know, 
Don't eat at the same restaurant every Friday night. Go out and try a new new spot. It's all timing. Like every team goes through this. Like look at Edmonton. They started this way. Like not even this way. They were worse than this. But like they started in a rut. They seem to be doing quite well right now. Every team is going to have their stretches where you know they're they're two and eight in ten games. Right. The Kings have lost three straight. You know whatever it is. Like every team goes through this. I mean, if it happens in the first month of the season. The house is on fire, coaches are fired, and it's over. But if it happens in December or January, you're talking about some line shuffling and a call up or two. Like it's just it's 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 the nature of an 82 game season. And what's so weird though about these three games? It's like besides maybe the last night's game, the other two games didn't feel like that no. big of losses. I mean, no. we're talking about no. if the Kings win in the <clears throat> shootout against Edmonton, we're, we're nobody's mentioning slump. There's no slump being mentioned here. Everybody's probably flying on cloud nine because they actually beat Edmonton. So, I mean, and then even the Vegas game, like Kings had 95 total shot attempts. It's like the most since like 2017, I believe. It's an insane number. So, and the Gold Knights set their record as a franchise for most blocked shots, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. So it's like these are they're playing against good teams, and and yeah, it's it sucks that they're not beating these good teams, but it's not like they're getting blown out. That's the problem. It's like they're losing. So yeah, it's 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 it sucks that they're not getting the two points in the, in the standings. But I mean, you look at some of the goals that have been scored against the, the Kings. It's like the defense hasn't really disappeared for me at all. I feel like the defense has still been pretty solid. Goaltending has still been pretty solid. So a lot of the maybe question marks that we had, and, uh, and maybe I don't know concerns that we had coming into the season, it really comes to the forefront. We all expected the offense to score. And that's really what's been the the kind of struggle where the struggles have been the last few games. So I could see them. I mean, even after the changes last night, yeah. look at look at the, some of the Corsi numbers. They were insane, and so, maybe the high the high danger chances weren't there, but they were still generating a lot of offense. So I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to see how they come out uh, against Detroit. I feel like this will be a kind of a statement win for for the team. Well, I'm hoping. Yeah, and I, I gotta say, I've said this on Twitter a couple of times. I think I've said it to you guys. I thoroughly enjoy Todd McClellan's post game interviews and his media availabilities because I really think he genuinely puts a lot of thought into the question and then subsequently his answer. And I think he he really touched on something that you just talked about with the defense is it's getting noticed more because there's more pucks. They're not scoring as much, you know. Um, so I think that's just the nature of it. I think that, that that's just being amplified by the fact that, you know, they're not, not some more pucks aren't really going in. So it makes it seem a little bit worse to defend. But really, I don't think I agree. I don't think it's been it's been really all that bad. Um, and yeah, the, the performances haven't been bad, I don't think, except for Toronto. And I think and again, McClellan, like he's he talks about score effects like they were Toronto was significantly better than the Kings in the first period, like they were bigger, faster, and, and LA had really no answer for them. And he talked about how, you know, that it got better. The second and third was better. The line changes seemed to be help, but then he acknowledges and says, part of that may be us. Part of that may be the other team playing to the score because score effects are a real thing. That's why if you go for folks that go on natural stat track, five on five numbers are great. Always good to look at. Click on that drop down and go to five on five score and venue adjusted because they can adjust the stats for the score because it doesn't really matter. I shouldn't say it that way, a little flippant, but in general, it doesn't really matter that how you play five on five when it's a two, three, four goal game. 
that's you're going to play differently. What is how do you play five on five when it's a one goal game? And that's those are the numbers that you want to kind of look at because, yeah. So if the Kings dominate the game when they're down by two the entire time, and I know these days two goal lead isn't what it used to be, so it's it's still you know it's still a close game, but that matters. I think it's I it's refreshing that McClellan acknowledges that. Um, so I, I again I, I think that he touched on some of this, and then I think if the when the pucks were falling at an, at, a, at a huge rate earlier in the season. Everything was going in, so it was it was easy to kind of not cover up defensive deficiencies because I still don't think that as a whole there's these grand issues. I think uh, you know there's some situations that have come up. I hated the the the, the goal that off the faceoff that they couldn't get the puck out of the zone. I don't know. I, there's two situations where where Roy and Gavrikov just iced the puck. They were a foot from the yeah. red line. They iced the puck, led to an in zone faceoff that one of them led to that goal. Unacceptable. That, that's a, that's something that can't happen. Like even if you're trying to make a play where you're trying to dump it in, to, and and you have somebody racing to beat the puck. A, I didn't see that. No, no winger was flying to 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 win the puck. But B, if you do that, usually you do that in your own zone, and you're and you're zipping it down the ice. You did it with a foot from the red line to not just take the extra stride, get the red line if you're going to do that, and it led to an icing, and and the one led to the first Toronto goal. So that again, little thing that that just, and then they don't get the puck out off the wall. I think your recency bias is a huge thing, and especially in sports. And Holden coming in here, their only wins this last month have been against bad teams, and then they had three opportunities to make a statement that they are a legit Stanley Cup contender. They didn't win any of those games, and then they were shut out for the first time all season. So. Sometimes, you know, I don't know if it was a statement loss, but it's probably been the most statement loss in a, in a while to the to the Maple Leafs. And statement losses breed change. And and, and whether the change is going to be good or bad, we're going to see uh, going forward. Uh, and, and a good way to see if that change will lead to money is with DraftKings. And our code here at DraftKings is a THPN. Bet the action on DraftKings Sportsbook. If you want to bet the money line here with the Kings game tomorrow night against the Red Wings, uh, you're looking at negative one and a half. There, if you want to pair that with a Brent Clark goal or point uh, to double or triple your money against the odds, please do so. Download the app now. Use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. So let's get into uh, the rest of, of the... Pacific here. Obviously, we played uh, the onslaught uh, of what was it, a nine straight games or seven straight games, something like that. Then you're playing another team uh, in the, in the Stanley Cup race in in the Maple Leafs. Uh, so the the makeup of the division uh, looks looks quite a bit uh, different. Obviously, the Maple Leafs aren't, aren't in our division. I know that, but uh, you're playing some you're playing some strong teams, and that kind of dictates the presence. So let's get into the the division as it stands right now. The Pacific. Uh, in uh, just straight points, Vancouver one with 51, then Knights uh, at 49, we're at 45. Edmonton Oilers uh, making me look foolish at 39, cracking at 39, Calgary Flames at 37, and then rounding up the barrel uh, are the Ducks and the Sharks. So right now the the Edmonton Oilers are not in the uh, in the wild card uh, at the moment. The two wild card teams come from the Central, I believe. And the Predators and the Coyotes at this moment, but Edmonton only one point behind. So, what have you guys seen from the Pacific this month? Joe called it obviously with the Oilers or the or the the Rage. They're seven and three in their last ten. Obviously, their offense looks clicking a little bit uh, better than it used to be this season. 
what are we seeing from the Pacific? Is there any teams that you think are, are frauds at this point? Um, is is Vancouver a legit or are they just regular season darlings? Like how are you kind of after more tape and, and seeing these teams, what do you guys think? I mean, for me, it's got to be Vancouver. I just kind of keep waiting for them to fall off and they just keep proving me wrong. So, I mean, you got to hand it to Rick Tockett. I think he's probably the leader in the clubhouse and, and the Jack Adams awards at this point, just the way he's been able to turn that whole franchise around this last kind of season or half season or so. And I mean, for them to be in first place and kind of, I don't want to say running away with it, but just really holding that lead pretty well, hats off to them. I mean, I think the rest of the vision's kind of playing out as I kind of expected. I mean, the Oilers resurgence is not a surprise to me. I mean, once Connor McDavid's going to figure it out, they'll be fine. And that's, Certainly seems to be the case. I mean, just had five points last night. I think so. There's really I was no just sp- hoping that he would be continually annoyed by reporters asking him about centers from other teams that he would never find his game all season. That's what I was. Well, we got to get Mark Spector a little bit more annoyed. Then we got to <laughs> got to make sure he's annoying. He, he, he tried. It's funny. I don't know if you saw. He asked. Uh, I think he asked Tortorella. He tried to ask Tortorella a question about McDavid, and Tortorella was like, "Dude, ask me something about my team. I don't care yeah. to ask. Talk about the other team." So. He's just a typical reporter, I think, just likes to annoy people. But, I mean, yeah, the Oilers resurgence, not surprising. Um, I guess the Vegas Golden Knights coming back down to earth a little bit or maybe faltering a bit. I I think we've been talking about this Kings, quote-unquote, slump that they're in. But, I mean, man, Vegas is kind of slumping a little bit too. And if it weren't for that uh, shootout win over over L.A., I think they'd be kind of the talk of uh, the Pacific Division right now. So, I don't know. The rest of Pacific's kind of shaping out where where I expected at this point. They're four. They've uh, four and six in their last ten. Mm-hmm. They're right next um, to the Kings, four, five, and one. So the team, a- the team that isn't getting talked about that Russ did not mention either. The Seattle Kraken are coming. They've won five straight games. They're seven, one, and two in their last ten. They're now tied with Edmonton. I know they've played a few more games, but you know this is a team that even if you know their start, like the start for Edmonton, I don't think was going to bury them because I think they're too good. I don't put Seattle in that same category. So the fact that they were such so off to such a bad start, they, they could have buried themselves in terms of playoffs. Um, but at the very least, they're playing some much better hockey, which means it's going to make things a little bit tougher throughout the rest of the season. Uh, I don't know how often the Kings play the, the crack in the rest of the way, but you know that's that's a team that you know maybe the start of the season was really struggling. You can kind of get the best of them. Not anymore. That team is playing some really, really good hockey. Um, so it'd be interested to see. I'm just curious because now the trade deadline is two months away. Like what do some of these teams yeah. – Edmonton's obviously going to be – they're in. They have to push their chips in. They have no choice. What does Seattle do? What does Calgary do? Do they more stand pat? Do they – I don't think Seattle's going to sell. Um, you know, again, I don't know what Calgary does. That's obviously an interesting situation, but um, the, the division is is going to be very difficult for the rest of the way. Vancouver's for real. Like, are they quote unquote this for real? I, I don't know. I still think the Kings. I, I kind of like where the Kings sit in the division, and I am a betting man, and I may or may not put a feature on the Kings to to grab the. They were actually favorites going into yesterday. They were the sure. favorite to win the division um, because, again, the odds makers, they see how many games in hand that L.A. has. So, I, you know, they, they were at like plus 130, which was the favorites to win the division. So I still like where the Kings sit. Um, 
Vegas, you know, Vegas, the thing with Vegas is, and they did it a lot last year. Like if you looked at their possession numbers last year, they were middling. They, they weren't great. They were really good expected goals. They controlled the quality, not totally unlike the, the Kings game where they kind of let you have the puck. They don't mind that because they're willing to block some shots. They're, they're willing to give you shots from the outside that are not dangerous. And as long as they don't give up much in the high danger area. And I think that's just kind of how they operate. It's how Cassidy operates. It's why they've talked about how they can kind of play any goalie they want because that's the system that they have. So, um, so I guess it's not surprising that a team like that may run into some kind of rough patches because you're constantly, if you're, take, if, if you're taking a stab at Kraken are plus 10,000 right now to win the cup. I don't know if I, on, on draft to, Kings. I wonder what they are to, to make playoffs though. Um, or to sneak in somewhere. Cause yeah, like, Hey, they're they're heating up, and I and I I think it's a team that they they're probably not one that's going to look to sell off pieces. Although if they are, we've talked about right shot Jordan Eberle. I don't know what his future is in Seattle if he's going to ink there long term, but just throwing it out there as a name to maybe keep in the back of your mind. So, but I would I would say Vancouver, they're not going anywhere. Vegas, probably similar to the Kings, right? In a little bit of a rut, maybe not a team that you is, is going to fall off i don't think and neither the kings i don't i i wouldn't i'm not worried about the kings falling off or anything like that and edmonton's coming hot uh so it's it's and and again i, I just look at the other rest of the division they're not easy outs they're not easy games you know i think so that's 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 the the biggest thing what about the team in the in the mullet arena there uh holding on to uh, a wild card spot and we keep saying hey they're going to drop off they're going to drop off and and they're still there. I mean, barely, but they're still there. I think the Coyotes will eventually drop off. I, I'm, they're a young team. They're they're exciting team, but I think they're I think they're going to be an annoying team. How about that? I yeah. think that's yeah. what they'll be. They'll they'll win games probably they shouldn't be winning, but I, I think they'll probably be like a nine ten season eventually. I think the Oilers will pass them comfortably. But yeah, I'm with you, Brandon. I think or. Joe, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with kind of we have to talk about the Kraken a little bit. I think a little bit has to do with what Holden meant to here and said in the chat in terms of how, how the court has played for them, which has been yeah. lights out lately. And he's put on an Always. Really fantastic showing in the Winter Classic, too, with that shutout. So I think he's 6-0-2 in his last eight starts. I mean, they play a really kind of defensive-style game, much similar to the way Vegas and kind of the Kings play. But, I mean, they're – been lacking goaltending a little bit lately, and I think they found it in Decord. It's amazing with, what uh, a couple saves will do. Yeah. All right. With well, yes or no answer from you boys. The Edmonton and the Kraken are, are coming along. Do we see five teams from the Pacific make the playoffs? Yes or no? Ooh, I say that was my pick at the beginning of the year. Mine too. I picked the Flames though as one of those teams. And I don't know why, do I always pick the Flames? They're only two points back of Edmonton. I think I'm just trying to make Joe happy because he loves the Flames. But I don't know. I think it's yeah. I think you could see five Pacific Division teams. Uh, what is, what is the Central? Let me bring up the Central real quick. We got I don't know Minnesota. Maybe they're kind of floundering a little bit. I don't I don't trust St. Louis. And like I said, Arizona, eh. Nashville. I guess Nashville could probably squeak in there as a wild card team. They have Soros. They have a decent team. A lot of people wanted to. Right off Nashville at the beginning of the year, I was like, I don't know. They they got some players there. So, I don't know. But I think I could see five Pacific Division teams make it. At least four, for sure. 
So whether Seattle can kind of come up there or Calgary uh, take over. That wasn't spot. the question there, Russ. You're walking the line. You're walking the fence I here. Walking. I want, I want some, what I do. I want some. I, I, want say, some... I say yes. I'm going to stick with the yes. yes. I'm going to stick with the yes. I think Nashville falls. I think Arizona falls. And I think uh, Edmonton's a for sure. And hey, Calgary's only two points back of Edmonton and Seattle. If we're talking about them being in, we got to include Calgary. So that's a three. Those those three teams, I think two of them sneak in. Edmonton and one of the others. Connor coming here saying just to believe in the Flames as the best storyline of the season. <laughs> if it happens. You bet against them the other day, though, and you won. So Twice. Twice. Well, twice. I bet against, against the Flames twice lately. Uh, so Did you both times or just once? No, the first time I bet against the Flames is probably the first time I bet against them in like three years, and naturally that's when they won. Um, but then the next time, yes, they were they, they won. So all good. Okay. So. New Year's resolution in Christmas uh, and Joe betting on uh, against the Flames is something new here. Let's flip it over. Obviously, we had the holidays and we're getting into the holidays with the Kings here. So Kings Christmas gifts. Uh, you know, what what gifts what what gifts don't people like? You know, and, and you know, new things under the tree, things unwrap and all those types of things. What has the Kings given uh, us fans that we were able to unwrap this year that has been a delight for you guys as fans? Russ. Uh, for me, it's been the goaltending. Uh, I think Rob Blake's gamble, quote unquote, with uh, going all in on hashtag like like Joe likes to say is hashtag goalies, and just really dumpster dive has really paid off. And given the Kings, I mean, because we wouldn't see a player like Vladislav Gavrikov, I think, on this team or Pierre Dubois as much as people want to go up against and see about his or his trade so far or his production. So I think that has totally paid off for Rob Blake so far. Um, that was the, I mean, you looked at every season preview that was written from national media about the LA Kings. It was all about, well, what's going to happen with their goaltending and Cam Talbot has proven them wrong. I mean, I thought he was a reason that score wasn't probably a little bit more lopsided than what it was in last night's game. Yep. And look at David Rittich. He's just come in. I mean, it's only been the sharks, but he's won two, two games so far. So he's looking pretty good too. So. I mean, you have to give uh, Rob Blake a little bit of credit there. I think it's been a good Christmas gift to the to how to the Kings for Kings fans at least. Joe, what did you want to find underneath the tree? Well, what I wanted to find was thirty goals from Trevor Moore. We are almost there, guys. We are. Almost there. <laughs> hey, how is Trevor Moore not the Christmas gift, or at least mine? I mean, and, and I'll put it this way: the health of Trevor Moore, knock on wood, uh, because we saw signs of what he can do when healthy. And as Randon puts the shirt up, go buy the shirt for a late Christmas gift for somebody. Because, and that was, the, you know, the, the big reason for my, the, the bold prediction coming into the season. I think I'd wrote an article in the summer about a potential breakout for him was everything was percolating under the hood. Everything was there. Everything was happening. And then he had the injury last year. So it just took a little steam off. But I'm like, there's a player here and he's going to pop off. And I just, the health that he's had, um, it's been great. So for it's easily Trevor Moore for me. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know looking at it and, and and really seeing where I was coming into the season, I think the the best gift has been has been Quentin Byfield, and I really I was the harshest out of us three on him, uh, saying that a forty point season wasn't good enough, fifty point season wasn't good enough. I really needed to see him, you know, really put the the gas on to take this team to the next level. You need value from your players. Players playing high minutes, putting up points at a cost. And if they're going to spend eight plus million on Pierre Luc Dubois, they're going to need to get 
high level value from guys not making a lot of money and one of them being Cam Talbot and this one being Byfield. And so with him being, uh, you know, this, this last month, over 16% in his shot percentage, he's been dominating course. He's been getting national headlights. He's playing like a number two overall pick. And, you know, as much as I want to say this, you know, uh, not as a knock on Turcotte, um, you know, like you need your top five players to play over 800 games in this league to be a successful pick. And, and you not only they need to play, they need to dominate because that that can change the course of a team. Look how much Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon have changed the course of Colorado, right? And so it's just like you look at those types of players and what they can do for an organization. You know, I think a lot of fans, including us, were worried about the center position going into the season, um, what that looked like when Kopitar retires. You know, if you have to go out and get another person, now they got Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now they got Quentin Byfield playing dominant on the wing, which he should slot back into center, uh, you know, a couple years down the road. I, I really think that this season not only has been a Christmas gift for us fans, but it's been a Christmas gift for Quentin Byfield. I mean, injuries galore, doubt galore probably in his mind. Like, I just can't get healthy. I, I, then I break this. I can't do that. I just want to show that I'm here and I'm ready to play in this league and, and now he's having fun, you know. I mean, he just did a Christmas thing, you know, or New Year's resolution thing. Like, hey, he thinks that, you know, Deneau is going to break his resolution early. He was joking with him, joking with his buddies. He's having pl fun playing hockey. And that's so good to see uh, his breakout here uh, as Holden92 has been saying. It's been awesome to see his breakout. So that's that's been my Christmas gift. And I'm glad that the Kings finally have a top prospect that has has, has come through and, and, and been excellent at the NHL level. And hopefully we see two. Uh, with the Clark train about to depart from the station. So that's been my Christmas gift this season. Yeah, I was going to say, McClellan added a little something to your stockings there with the Clark call-up <laughs> like a week later. It's like the, what's that Christmas story where like the kid opens up all the gifts and then his dad's like, oh, what's that behind the piano? <laughs> you know, like, oh, there's another gift back there. All right. Save the best for last. Well, <laughs> With Christmas gifts comes New Year's resolutions with them being right ahead. Uh, I am just got one this season. Uh, I'm doing uh, 100 push-ups a day. I'm going to try to do 100 push-ups a day every day for all of 2024. Uh, I like so I got, I got another 30 to bust out after this pod. Uh, just, you know, something to exercise every day. And, you know, and then that way I got the true dad bod by the summertime, you know, all shoulders and chest, a little bit of a beer <laughs> belly, you know, for the, for the pool time. Uh, but New Year's resolution for the Kings – you know, whether it's a player, whether it's a situation, uh, a part of the team, where do we want to see improvement going in here? And, and how does that resolution get, uh, you know, get held to um, by the time playoffs come in? Yeah, for me, it's easy. I think it's the power play. I think that's probably been the most disappointing area for the Kings season so far. I mean, especially with how good it was last year. And I know there's been some personal changes. No more Gabe Velarde, no more Sean Dersey. Victor Arvison hasn't been here yet. But I don't know. That shouldn't be an excuse with the amount of talent this, that this team has. I feel like they've just been totally flaccid. It's been almost boring to watch. And it, it's gotten to the point where fans are now calling for to see if they could uh, deny the penalties that they're or the power plays that they're given. So I think that's an easy one for me. I'll say the power play. Yeah, I was going along those same lines, uh, Russ. So um, hopefully, hopefully they find a, a, a solution. To that, for me, I'm going to go um, and tie it into the goaltending because I totally agree with Rush. Obviously, I, I'm all aboard hashtag goalies. Love what Blake has done. I think it's been genius. But with the injury to Copley, we're a little thin there. 
right now. And I think a little bit more stability, maybe bringing in a veteran, uh, um, somebody that can at least lighten the load a little bit because they only play the shark so many times. So I don't know how many more games Dave Ridge is going to get. So at some point they need a third guy in there just to kind of ease a little bit because you don't want to run Talbot into the ground. I mean, he's had concerns. He's a little bit old. He's had concerns with his injury. So for me, it's, it's getting a little bit more security between the pipes and a little bit more of a cushion to, to make sure Talbot is, is fully ready to go come, uh, come, you know, late March, April. Yeah. I like the, I like the depth there, what you're talking about with the goalies. I think it's going to be necessary. Talbot <laughs> playing 60 plus games or whatever this season is still scary to me uh, when it comes to a, a deep playoff run. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to switch here. And as much as my resolution I hope for is a dominant performance from, uh, from Brant Clark. I think we've uh, hit that nail on the head plenty this, this podcast. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go in a different direction. And, and uh, you know, I, I hope that Pierre-Luc Dubois is the $8.5 million player. Everybody on this podcast thought he would be, I thought, I hope he puts, starts putting the points together. I thought we hope we start seeing dominant Pierre-Luc Dubois. Hope we start seeing, Pierre Dubois having fun out there, uh, like you know, we hope we would, and to where he is a game changer, whether it's his line mates or whatever other excuse most people want to put out there for him. He hasn't been good enough this season, in my opinion. Um, you know, and maybe that could be because of his line mates or, or whatever. I just think at some point the the rubber has to meet the road and you got to put some points on the board. And that was my criticism of Byfield last year, and it's my criticism of his, his this year. I mean, he had three he had three points in the month of December. You know, it's it's just not good enough. And I hope that him being that type of player um, will get going in, into this next season and it, in, in this next year and to where come February, come March and in April, he is a dominant factor. And he's a guy that we look for every shift to set something off. So that's where my resolution would be is to start, start seeing the underlying analytics match up with, with points on the board. That's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, especially when you have him playing with players, possibly like Kempe now going forward. And and you can't really use that excuse of him getting acclimated to the system because you're almost getting a half a season now that McClellan has kind of – he's mentioned that a couple of times at the beginning part of the year. So I'm curious to see how these next few weeks go for Dubois. But it, it's so weird because, I, like, I always – always watching Dubois at practice, kind of see how he's vibing with the team, how he's gelling around. It's always really – I mean, he seems like a really well-liked guy in the locker room and and um, among his teammates. And then he's always talking with this coaching staff, too. He's always having side conversations with Jim Hiller or Todd McClellan. You can sense that coach in him because that's where his, his dad was a coach. So you can kind of see that on the, on the ice a bit. But, yeah, I think it's it's about time we start seeing some of that production because we were, hey, big, big proponents of the trade. I was, at least. I know Joe was. So a lot of people were asking to see that production. I don't blame him. We just hope it starts to come to the forefront a little bit. So uh, that's what that's where I'm at here. Uh, put in the chat, guys. Put your new year's resolution there and 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 see where you guys would like the Kings to improve. Before we get into the seat at the round table, I just want to show, throw a little shout out to the World Juniors here. Uh, Canada's eliminated, but Team USA uh, continuing on there, going into the semifinals uh, and hopefully the finals. Uh, this has been a big proponent in national media this year. Uh, with the arrival of USA Hockey uh, on a more consistent basis. You look at, I believe, six of the top 20 uh, scorers in the NHL this season are U.S.-born players, which is the most of any country. Um, and you're seeing a lot more top-end draft picks come out of the United States. Is 
is the United States on par or equal to a hockey country as Canada is at, at the highest level? Well, let's not forget Canada's missing some pretty significant pieces. One being Connor Bedard would be in this tournament. Shane Wright would be in this tournament. Um, and I think I'm actually still missing others that would be in this tournament. I know the states. Oh, with are, Logan Cooley. Yep, it, it's the gap is no question of closing. There's no, there's no doubt. I mean, the depth of the United States is excellent. Um, I, I just think if we were to have everybody here, Canada would be favorites, and probably rightfully so. But that shouldn't take anything away from um, what the United States is doing and the progress they've made as an entire organization. You know, and that that goes up into the NHL level and, you know, in a, in a hypothetical best on best Olympic type of setup, you know, I think the United States would be, um, you know, an extremely potent contender for against Canada. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, the, the, the gap has certainly closed quite a bit. I just like the amount of uh, maybe teams <clears throat> you don't expect to be successful at these tournaments seems to be growing. I mean, the, like, you know, Canada's big rival of the U.S. And I, I don't – I'll be remiss if I don't say I, I kind of like seeing Canada lose sometimes. Well, I'm sorry for our Canadian fans. But to see Czechia, a, a country like that, beat Canada, it, it's, it's always good to see those moments in, in a tournament like this because there's always been conversations about, oh, you don't want to have, like, countries like Latvia in the tournament just get blown out. I mean – this is how those countries grow their game, grow their 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 sport, and it turns into you get. I mean, I'm sure years ago, Czechia was getting blown out in this tournament just as much as Latvia was is or is now. So look what's happening. I mean, you get players and youth youthful players that that love the game of hockey and start playing a little bit more for their country, and you get a little bit more competitive spirit in, involved in these tournaments. So it's always fun, and I think with where it's being played in Sweden, that that always uh. Uh, that brings a great environment. If you ever watch some of those Swedish games, I mean, the fans there are just incredible. So I love the world juniors. Uh, I think this year, I haven't really been paying attention to it as I had in the past. Maybe the lack of Kings prospects kind of has an impact on that, but it's always a good time, especially when the quarter, the semifinals and the finals roll around the, the metal game with, with the ESPN contract. I thought there would have been more games on ESPN plus. Like, I, I mean, them only on NHL networks, kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, I, I had NHL Network. They, can they give us an app? Can we have an NHL Network app where it's just so easy to watch games? Like every other sport has it. Just give me. I'll pay five dollars a month to, to watch right. NHL Network highlights each night. Just give me something. I, I hate it. I will say there's always some players that that jump out, and Norway's got a couple of them in offhand. I don't remember their names, but no, boy, that knees. Hagard or Algard? I know you. Yeah. I know the player you're talking about. For there's a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of them that that really look good. But I'm gonna tell you right now, I, I watched a little bit of Swiss the other day. This Rodwin Dionisio, apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, big, it's like six two, six three, two hundred plus pound defenseman, left shot D man, but but really skates pretty well, good with the puck, and, and a really nice goal. Um, I've been really impressed with him and, of, and, and naturally he's another Anaheim Ducks prospect. Like just when you think that they're just, they, they just keep churning these out. This is another one. He's a fifth round pick. So we'll see where he develops, but I thought he's at it. I thought he had a really good tournament. So, uh, that's another one to keep in mind out, of, out in California. I is think Sammy that you're looking Lavey's at these teams. Brother, 
Is Sammy Hellenius' brother at Constance Hellenius? Is that who that is? So I don't know if they're, yeah, I was wondering the same thing because I know okay. he's, I, I don't know if they're brothers. Yeah. I, I know he's know. been playing pretty good for Finland. I think, that, I think it's pretty cool because it's like now Latvia is really the only team getting stomped all the time. Like Swiss held their own against, uh, you know, Sweden. Germany beat Sweden for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had uh, these Czechia teams and all this kind of stuff. And it's good for hockey. And I think there was a there was a uh, a podcast that uh, Butchergross was on, and he was talking about potential expansion. And the, the expansion is only made possible in in the NHL if more players are coming in to keep the game at a high level. Um, and so you know, because you don't want to dilute the game too much. And in order not to dilute the game, you need more high level talent. If more of these countries are investing in hockey programs, like Germany has over the past decade, how the United States has done for the last twenty five years. You're going to see a lot more top-end talent, which means the league can have 32-something teams in there uh, and have more markets and and more and grow more fans and 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 uh, have more entertaining products. So I think it's it's nothing but good for the game. Uh, big ups here, though. Uh, Corey Promen released today that 2026 World Juniors are coming to Minnesota. Tw- uh, Twin Cities Ooh. are getting uh, getting the the tournament. So um, that'll be something to my to to head out to, which would be uh, something to. To be fun in too the close to Canada, too close to Canada. It's going to be a Canada dominant crowd. I wanted it to be Vegas. I thought that would have been cool. I would have made that trip. That would have been fun. Oh well. Well, let's get into it. Uh, our last topic here on the night: uh, seat at the round table. So, this, if uh, you guys aren't unaware, this is our player of the month here uh, on Hockey Royalty, getting the seat at the round table. And at the end of the year, we'll tally up all their seats, you know, and 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 crown. Uh, our king of the season uh, there uh, as a as a podcast. So, uh, Joe, I'll let you start it off with this one. I'll let you take first stab at this one. Who is getting your seat at the round table? I was going to go Trevor Moore again just because – why not? He just keeps scoring. Um, but, no, I'm going to go with a player that that led the team in points, actually, this, this particular month, and he just keeps doing it. Just quietly, seemingly quietly, somehow quietly under the radar, or so it seems that Andre Kopitar just would, would would if I would have said this, did you, who led the Kings in points uh, in in the fourteen games in December? I don't know. Would everybody have just said, oh, no, it was definitely Andre Kopitar? I get the sense that that wouldn't be the case, but here he is, fifteen points in the last fourteen games. He doesn't age. It's incredible. Um, and so for for me the 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 my seat at the round table this for the month of December is uh, the King's captain Andre Kopitar. Nice, nice. Yeah, nice. you took mine, Joe. I was going to go Kopitar. I know we try to switch things up a little bit, but I mean it's hard just to not pick Kopi. Fifteen points in thirteen games, plus six. Uh, but one thing I wanted to highlight was his faceoffs. Sixty point five percent during the month of December. Third in the NHL among players with 200 minimum 200 faceoff stadiums. So, and he's playing the the fewest amount of ice to, or time on mm-hmm. ice in his career, which is another wild stat to think about. I mean, this is what we kind of been hoping to see with Kopitar is you see those minutes start to come down a little bit, that penalty kill time start to come down a little bit, and maybe we see the offensive production start to tick up. And I think we're starting to see it a little bit, a little bit more. So hopefully that with the offensive struggles of late, I mean, he's still kind of there producing and, yep. and a higher point per game pace and, and the faceoffs are still there too. So, I mean, man, I mean, I don't know, maybe the, another Selkie trophy is going to be on his mantle here at the end of the year. 
Nice, nice, nice. I was I was kind of thinking of going here with Dan and Talbot, uh, but I'm going in a different direction. A guy who uh, was struggling to find the lamp earlier in the year uh, has uh, kind of turned it on in December, logged uh, the, the quite a bit of minutes, uh, a total ice time, uh, had a 72% uh, percent IPP, which means he was on the ice uh, for 72%, uh, or he scored a point in 72% of the times that the points were scored uh, while he was on the ice. A shooting percentage, uh, you know, back up over uh, over 10%. Uh, four goals, nine total assists for 13 points in 13 games for the month of December. That's the juice man himself, uh, Adrian Kempe, uh, is going to get my uh, seat at the round table. I think his scoring touch was a little lacking. Uh, this, he had to do a lot of it more five-on-five five, uh, this last month of this, this entire year uh, because the power play has been anemic. And so if he's finding a way to do a five-on-five, Hopefully he can, uh, you know, help uh, Pierre Dubois uh, in this next week. I think they'll probably keep that line together for a week or so and see how it gels. And maybe you and you uptick uh, his production. Uh, like I said before, uh, Lafreniere, uh, Lafreniere uh, or Lafreniere is uh, his shooting percentage is a lot higher this month, up over uh, double digits. And so maybe that whole line can start seeing a lot more pucks go in. Uh, maybe with the increase of power play production from Brant Clark being uh, injected in there, maybe you see some more one-timers coming from Adrian Kempe. So he, he's getting hot at the right time. If he can start to scorch coming into January, I think this team could really take off. Uh, but this last month, uh, Adrian Kempe, you are my seat at the round table. I like it. He was on my short list. So, well, guys, it has been a great episode coming back here. I thought we might hit two, two and a half hours, but we were we were concise. <laughs> Uh, we were uh, uh, straight there. It looks like uh, Russ had to get oh, out of here, or he or he froze. He froze and had to get out of here. But appreciate you guys coming into the chat. Uh, as as it showed uh, before, here uh, our shirts are still for sale. This is a Trevor Moore shirt, as you can tell, with the twelve here uh, and the California logo. Thirty dollars size, small through extra large. We got plenty of shirts left. Coming up with new ideas uh, for for this next month. So keep it ear to the ground for that. Uh, if you want a shirt, contact Hockey Royalty at contact at HockeyRoyalty.com. And Venmo is our source of payment. If you guys need to uh, pay any other way, just DM uh, Russell or one of us, and we can uh, try to make some accommodations for you. Definitely appreciate the support. Thank you guys for all for coming in here tonight and supporting us. We were strong here in the chat. As always, go to HockeyRoyalty.com and check out all of our articles. Follow us on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it at hockey underscore royalty at Randall Commando 24 NHL Russell and JW Paterino. Time to get some points here, Joe. Time to get some points here coming into January. Rubber's going to meet the road, as they say. Uh, New Year's resolutions. Got to hold into those and see if we can get some sparks uh, on the road to the Stanley Cup. Uh, as always on this podcast, go Kings go.